Welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast, conversations with women who have found creative ways to travel more. This is episode 64, and I'm your host, Jet Set Lizette. Today I'm talking with Kelly McCoy, a Seattle-based travel product developer and consultant specializing in cultural heritage and adventure tourism. Kelly shares what sparked her love of travel, about her experiences traveling to African countries, and what inspired her to work in the tourism industry. She also talks about her cultural heritage travel projects that highlight Black history and hidden stories, her recent research trip to Charleston, South Carolina, tips for planning heritage travel, and much, much more. Just a reminder that all resources mentioned during the episode can be found in the show notes at jetsetlizette.com forward slash episode 64. Before we begin, I want to mention that this episode is sponsored by Waypoint Goods, a company that helps empower women to explore the world by designing accessories that support and inspire travel. My favorite is their Infinity Travel Scarf. It has a hidden zipper pocket to keep passport, keys, wallet, and other essentials safe and secure. You can stroll around looking like a local instead of a tourist, and you don't have to worry about pickpockets. Best of all, they're offering my listeners a 15% discount. Visit waypointgoods.com and enter Jet Set at checkout. And with that, let's go ahead and get into the interview. All right. Well, welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge, Kelly. Sure. It is a true pleasure to have you here today. Well, thanks for having me. Yes. And we get to sit in person, which is actually kind of fun. We're like I looking know. at each other in an actual podcasting studio. I don't know why I feel like I want to mention that, but so much of my interviews are done remotely. And I'm so there's no screen. No. It's live and in person. I could like touch you right now. <laughs> You could, but we are in a pandemic. Right. right. So but we're, we're not. And just so, sterilized. you know, we want to say that we brought our hand sanitizer and everything's been cleaned. So we're feeling good. We're feeling safe. Okay. Yeah. So why don't we start where I always start, which is what do you feel sparked your love of travel? I would say when I was a kid, I would say field trips in school, first of all. Um, I grew up middle child, older brother, younger brother. And uh, so everything that we did as a family tended to be sports driven. And I love being outdoors. I love museums. And so as soon as we, you know, had field trips in elementary school, I was probably the first kid on the bus. And because my family, where we grew up, uh, we couldn't really afford to take big family vacations and fly places. So field trips were kind of a means to being exposed to other places. So I would say that's kind of where it all began. That's where it started. Okay. Well, that mm. sounds great. When did you start traveling on your own? Like, mm, you know, mm -hmm. maybe as a young adult or I don't know. Tell me about when you started traveling and where you went initially. Yeah, I would say, um, well, besides road trips as family, like when we could afford to go somewhere, my parents bought a camper, it was big and orange. And our first road trip was to Yosemite and then um, to grandparents' funeral across the country. And that was kind of the first trip of, wow, look what's outside of Los Angeles and California and Arizona and New Mexico and just seeing all the different landscapes and people. And um, I only really started traveling because of what I did for work. And a whole lifetime ago, um, I was a buyer for Nordstrom. So I got to travel all around the country, go back and forth to New York. So I pretty much have seen almost every state in the country except for maybe eight Wow. <laughs> through all those different travels and moving back and forth across the country. And then really international travel really started with a trip to, I want to say, the Caribbean, probably like when I was 25. And um, 
a friend and I went, and I really didn't start doing single travel until maybe, mm, I don't know, I think I was going to Africa once by myself in 2000, I don't know, 12 or 13. That was like the first trip, like just completely solo. Um, but usually most of my trips were with really good friends um, as an adult. Okay. So you started, well, first of all, it sounds like you've been to almost all the states. Almost. Just wow. eight to go. <laughs> You're ahead of me. <laughs> and a few of my stops in states are kind of dubious, like, okay, we drove through this state and got out of the car. Does that count? You know, anyway. <laughs> it's like layovers. Yeah, it? like layover. Exactly. <laughs> like, I've been here, not really, but sort of, you know. Exactly. Um, but it sounds like you've really been to a lot of states. And also Africa. Wow. So that was mm. your first solo international solo international trip. Tell me about trip. that trip. What? How was that? Um, it was great. Um, I had was coming back. I have a friend who runs a nonprofit organization in Tanzania called Make a Difference Now. And a friend and I uh, went there in 2000. I saw a blur and I'm getting old. Uh, 2008 or something. And then I went back the year after and um, just wanted to, you know, help her again. And I had never been on safari in East Africa. And so that that trip, I took the opportunity to do safari as well as just kind of hang out with her and and help her get things done with uh, the kids that she was supporting. And um, the opportunity to do that, actually, I used all points. So I got first class all the way and I was trying to decide, should I go through Iraq? Because that would be cool. But then single, female, probably not as safe. So I didn't do that. But uh, went through Ethiopia and had some of the best coffee ever. Mm. Um, and it was about a two-week trip. It was good. Wow. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I have to also pause and go back to something you said that maybe... I almost missed. I think you said when you were young, there was road trips in an orange camper. Yeah, in an to, orange. What orange kind camper. of orange camper it was, was um, it? You know, back in the 70s, uh, they had the camp, you know, the bed on top and a seat in the middle. And we wasn't kitted out, just had our bed, a seat. And then um, luckily I got to sit on, uh, sleep on the top and my brothers, you know, slept in the middle on, the, okay. on a mattress on the back. And uh, yeah, my dad uh, bought it because um, I don't know why. We just, our first trip was Yosemite. And then the second trip, like I said, was to um, Missouri to uh, go to my great-grandmother's funeral. And then we just kind of road tripped when opportunities presented themselves to do that. So, yeah, it was bright and orange and white. <laughs> oh, my gosh, because we had a VW pop-top camper that was orange. Yeah. And it was the 70s also. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so And we... I loved orange. So it was like, I mean, yes. you could you'd never lose your car. <laughs> road tripping with the orange van. <laughs> exactly. Like, so we, we share that. Anyway, yeah. I just had to say that. I was like, did she say they had an orange, you know? Yeah, van? it wasn't a VW. It was like um, one of those GMCs. It was okay. kind of big and more square than, <laughs> okay. a, than a VW. But uh, yeah, I just uh, remember orange, orange and white. We're like, what sparked your love of travel? Orange camper vans. <laughs> Okay, that's how it all started. All right. Anyway, sorry. Go back. Let's get back to the whole Africa and then moving into what you do now. Because that wasn't that long ago, right? That mm -hmm. was eight years ago or so, you think? Yeah. Eight or nine years ago. Yeah. And so tell me how you ended up moving into what you're doing now and describe the work you do now. Yeah, well, um, unfortunately, I lost my mother unexpectedly in 2013. And I had I had experienced kind of a lot of things that made me kind of think about what I was doing. I was a workaholic, but I loved my job. Um, but I had done everything that I wanted to do. And so when my mother passed away and I went through the grieving process, I just kind of, you know, um, kind of sat back and just kind of asked myself, what do I love doing and how do I want to do it? And I love helping people um, in all kinds of different ways. I love travel and I love the outdoors. And so I decided to leave retail merchandising after 30 years and being with an awesome company and getting to do a lot of awesome things. 
and decided to go into a different kind of product development. And that was in the tourism business. And so I basically call myself a tourism development consultant. Um, you could say travel curator for, you know, a more marketable term. <laughs> but basically, I love creating experiences that allow people to be exposed to different environments and also allow them to help get immersed in a destination and kind of give back to the destination based off of what the community wants to, you know, have help with or whatever. And so I tend to spend a lot of time in the adventure travel space, uh, conservation. Um, I am a board member on Conservation Volunteers International. And we do service projects all around the world and their work projects in national parks and smaller communities. And then um, cultural heritage tourism is another space just to expose people to different cultures. Um, right now, I'm in a really cool project that's Black cultural heritage tours that are kind of amplifying stories that a lot of people never heard or communities that people have never heard of. Um, so that has been a lot of fun. And so that's where I spend most of my time. And um, I also have a client that does family travel, which is also in the same realm of families traveling and being immersed in a, in a place and giving back in a place and having um, kind of a different kind of engagement and immersive experiences versus just going somewhere and, you know, kind of touring. But it's just really connecting. So connecting, meaningful travel, giving back, yeah. cultural heritage. I'm hearing all of these threads. And that's really why I wanted to bring you on, too, to hear about, you know, I think somewhere I read you said that your passion is researching and illuminating little known history in mm -hmm. special places, yeah. bridging the past with the present. And I really love that because, you know, we're genealogy buddies. <laughs> yes, we, we might are. as well bring that up right now. <laughs> so, you know, and I know that we both really love looking at our own family history mm -hmm. and then that bleeds and weaves into the general history exactly. of our country right. and then, you know, history in particular places that our family members were from. Mm -hmm. So I am really particularly interested in your cultural heritage trips mm -hmm. and hope to actually go on one. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about the cultural heritage? You know, you were just talking about like black history, yeah. black, um, black heritage. And tell me about that project, yeah. th those projects? Well, a lot of my interest in that really came out of genealogy. And um, uh, I was blessed uh, before my grandfather passed away. He shared um, some of these awesome pictures when he grew up in Oklahoma. And then I got connected to a distant cousin who told me more about the family. And I was blessed to be able to go to Oklahoma and do some family research. And there's stories there that I never learned about in our history books of how, um, you know, the Native Americans came over the Trail of Tears. Well, my family were slaves of Native Americans that also came over the Trail of Tears. And for a while, they were people without any um, citizenship because after emancipation, they weren't full-blooded um, in the Native tribe that that held them as slaves, even though there was mixing of blood. And they also, as African-Americans, didn't have any solid rights. So that was a story that, again, never heard. And so that piqued my interest in learning more. And so when I tend to travel, I tend to look for those stories. So, for example, um, last year during the pandemic road trip, because uh, we can't fly anywhere. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, my partner and I finally got to go to Yellowstone. And before we went, I looked up to see what kind of history there could be that I could go check out. And sure enough, there in Montana, there's an amazing Black Heritage Trail that's documented in the Mon Montana Historical Society. But there was a story of a woman who um, got to Montana after emancipation because she became a housekeeper for what was the regional um, judge, basically. 
And she ended up opening businesses in a small town that ended up being a gold rush town. And um, she was like the first black person to own a utility, as well as the first woman to own a utility. And there's not many stories about her. So those are the kind of things that I like to kind of look up as I go traveling. And so right now I'm on uh, working on black heritage uh, tourism projects with uh, Blacks and Travel and Tourism. And we are creating itineraries that tell those type of stories all over the United States. And we're starting um, in the Southeast. And um, right now we're doing some work in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And so I spent most of 2021 doing um, some research over the summer. And now we're at the point of curating those experiences and um, having them available in 2023 or later in 2022. Wonderful. So those will be up on a website. Yeah, ready for people to take. And there's just so much good, rich, multifaceted history because most of our history and history books is very monolithic. And um, while there's so many things that are painful, there's so much other things that are joyful that most people don't know about the African-American community. So these tours and cultural heritage focuses allow that to be illuminated and amplified. And that's what where I get a lot of joy from and just kind of talking with people and learning things and So, yeah, it's awesome stuff. I love it. (laughs) Love it. And um, I think you know that members of my family, my enslaved ancestors, including someone that I carry the same name with, Mm -hmm. were from South Carolina. And so I really don't know much about South Carolina. I mean, I know, you know, general slavery history. I know that many, many slaves came in South Carolina. Most, it feels like when I look at the little, the little diagrams of like, what is that website that shows the, the movement? The movement. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll put a link to that in the show Well, what's amazing, um, Charleston was at one point, one of the richest cities in the world. And um, most of that is on the backs of slaves. And there is a spot in Charleston that was the port. And I can't remember the name of the port where actually all the slaves came in. And that's being turned into what is going to be the International African-American Museum. So when uh, we got a private tour of that, and when you stand on that ground and you see what hallowed ground it is, like I'm getting chills thinking about it now, and to think about what it's about to become. And there's a young man who, uh, he must maybe 20-ish, and he's like a key curator there. And he took us on the tour. So to think about all that's happened in this place, and to see this young man give the tour was like, that's the bridging of the the past and the future. And um, yeah, Charleston, when most people go to Charleston, they see all of the the pretty buildings. And um, but it's a different experience from a different perspective when you go and you take a cultural heritage tour, a different cultural heritage tour. And so you get to um, learn about Gullah Geechee history. You get to learn about uh, the rich culture that is there and where a lot of our food comes from. And what's interesting about that in Charleston, there's really no Black-owned restaurants in the heart of Charleston. Hmm. But most of the food that is cooked there comes from the African diaspora. So when we think of rice, when we think of, you know, Black-eyed peas and so much more and just um, the whole cuisine of the area. So so there's um, some really great experiences that we have uh, planned for that area. And I'm so excited about that because I do plan on going. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's actually going to be a family reunion, a large family reunion of the Gamble line. Mm -hmm. And uh, this particular upcoming year, they plan to go to Charleston Mm -hmm. and then travel on a day trip out to the places where our our people were held Mm -hmm. and were enslaved. Um, I think it's Neesmith, South Mm -hmm. Carolina. And so I will be joining them for that. And I would really also like to do 
one of your trips because I feel like that will be its own experience and that will be very specific. Mm-hmm. But again, I not knowing all the things about South Carolina and just wanting to get a, a larger view. And yeah. maybe there's, you know, maybe the, I'll, you know, I'll see what the trips have, uh, <laughs> what they offer when it's time. But, yeah. you know, if, if it includes other neighboring states or whatever, that's fine, too, because mm-hmm. it all connects, you know. Right. And so um, there's yeah, migration really patterns. Yes. And, um, and so when you see kind of the the different stories, you kind of see how your individual personal story connects to those stories. And it just, it's just really, I, I get chills just sitting here thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And that museum, so, I can't yeah. wait for the museum. And I hope, I really would like to go. I actually had gotten, I think because I think we're both members of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogi- mm-hmm. uh, Genealogical Society. Yeah. And um, I think that's why I got a flyer or something in the mail saying, you know, help support this museum. And I really mm-hmm. felt like I want to support that museum. It sounds incredible. Yeah. And then the way that it's created and the spaces that are inside, because what's hard is sometimes when you go specifically to the southeast and you go visit different places. So Charleston, for example, has the old slave mart and you walk through there. It's a really heavy experience and it's it's crowded and it tells the story of slavery. You walk out of the building educated, but your heart is very heavy and there's no place to decompress. And when this new museum opens up, they have uh, genealogical spaces, they have open spaces so that you can uh, decompress, have dialogue and um, that kind of thing. So um, and so we are trying to create more experiences like that um, just to kind of keep it light and kind of understand the history, look for the joy and kind of keep moving forward. Yeah, I love that. I think um, one of the things in doing genealogical research and having enslaved ancestors in your line is, you know, I mean, never mind, just, yeah, going on a trip that includes Black history, it's going to be difficult, Mm -hmm. but you want to also find the joy. And I think that's important as I do my research, because it's easy to also, you get like caught in these horrible stories right? and seeing your ancestors' names on Labels or slaves. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, oh, yeah. you know, my great 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 uncle was left with the, like the wagons and the pigs and the tools. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, to to this man's son. So it's like, okay, you know. But then trying to remember also about the resilience and yeah. the beautiful cultural things that came mm-hmm. from such a dark right. time. I mean, there's stories that are kind of I know only from like my dad's side of the. Um, the family, like I learned about Buffalo Soldiers when I was a kid, but really didn't know the true story of them. And there's so many more um, stories like that that are in some ways complicated, but they also were the first basically national park rangers. But there's complicated pieces of that story as well. So kind of understanding that and just kind of seeing different, you know, different people in different facets. I think our our culture as Americans is so multifaceted, as African-Americans is just as multifaceted. And so... I'm excited to kind of bring that more of that to the forefront in, in tourism. Great. Yeah. Well, and I'm definitely going to list, you know, I'll have links in the show notes to what the Blacks in Tourism mm-hmm. website and just all the information we're talking about today. I also just want to mention a podcast that came to mind. I'm loving uh, Black Cowboys, which is kind of speaking mm-hmm. to what you're talking about, mm-hmm. where you get this whole line of history that people don't realize yeah, that most people one don't. in four cowboys were black. Mm-hmm. Well, the word cowboy is a derogatory term. That's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. But um, like so my family's mostly uh, from the Midwest and, you know, kind of after that, that piece of migration, Midwest and West. And so I think that's for me why just up and down Interstate 35, I have family members that ended up in Saskatchewan. There was a whole migration to Saskatchewan that most people don't know about out of Hmm. United States into Canada and back. And so like my 
great-great-grandparents were on a on a census in Canada and Saskatchewan for a short period of time after the Depression. And then they end up coming back in the 40s when they were older. But those are, again, like, I'm like, how did they get there? And yeah. so those, those are the things that pique my interest and kind of get me digging deeper and hopefully not in a rabbit hole. <laughs> right. Well, Because, <laughs> you know, genealogy can be a rabbit it hole. It is. Many yeah. late night hours I've spent. <laughs> like, you're like, you know, why is it three in the morning? I need to go to bed. Um, yeah. So true. So what would you recommend for someone like me who wants to do cultural heritage travel? Maybe there is a great trip that's relevant, but maybe there isn't. Like, I'm going to be going to Arkansas. I don't mm. know if there's going to if you know of any trips, for example. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I plan to just go and do some road tripping and, and connect with some people, but also do my own research. Yeah. What would you recommend for me, like, before I go? Uh, or what are places I should think of? Not necessarily like, you know, this particular place in Arkansas, but right. what types of either organizations, mm-hmm. obviously museums, yeah. but what would but you... Historical societies. Yeah. So when I started kind of digging deeper into my Oklahoma history, I um, reached out to the Oklahoma Historical Society and kind of made an appointment before I, you know, kind of figured out my trip and just kind of inquired what do they offer? What do they do? And they actually have a robust service, basically, like I ended up becoming a member for $40 for life or something like that. But it's a huge library is able to see cemeteries, um, actual microfiche of land that my family lived on. Uh, A gentleman drew a map for me, like by hand of where to go um, to see where the homestead was. And then randomly, I wasn't looking for a cemetery. I came across a cemetery and people's names that I've seen on paper and pictures actually saw like tangible, like you know, I saw my great grandmother, uh, great great grandmother's, you know, uh, gravesite, and so, um, so I would say historical societies, museums, and if there are libraries, um, and I'm trying to think, like for instance, if you have, you know, history in Virginia, the uh, Library of Virginia is also as robust. But I would, those are the places I would look for. Every town's going to be different, so. Um, on a, my father's side of the family, we're from Boontown, Missouri, which is kind of uh, south of Kansas City. And um, there's not as many robust places like libraries and things, but they do have, um, I found someone who actually did tours of the area who does tours to Kansas City and St. Louis. And so just kind of kind of doing the research and kind of looking up historical places and genealogy and records. So any place that has records, county Houses, courthouses, those kind of things, um, depending on what state and kind of the age of the state is where you're going to find documents, I guess, and um, people to help, researchers to help. It sounds like you really want to do some good planning beforehand. Mm -hmm. Like you said, make some actual appointments. Yeah. Also... Because I'm imagining you could get there and just assume, oh, it'll be open and maybe yeah, it's no. not open, especially you know, nowadays. especially now. Uh, <laughs> and then maybe allowing enough time. Allowing enough thinking. time. Yeah. yeah. So before the pandemic, I had planned to go to Kansas City and um, then the pandemic happened. And so that kind of cut that trip. And I'm so I'm kind of waiting to get back. But I know, for for example, you know, the hours of that particular courthouse and things to see and um, I was given some different families that still own the land where plantations were. Etc. So, so you have to kind of prepare, yeah, research ahead of time. Okay. Yeah. And then um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you about Africa in particular. Have <laughs> Have you done any trips that were related to specifically Black history, slavery, like, or was it just more like, oh, I'm going and I'm visiting, and you know, I don't yeah. know. Tell me about that. So I haven't that. done any um, cultural heritage trips specifically to Africa. The first time 
as a person who loves nature and like I loves, you know, the Wild Kingdom. <laughs> when I was little growing up after Disney came on, I watched the, <laughs> the Wild Kingdom. And so I love anything that has to do with nature and outdoors and that kind of thing. And so I always wanted to experience. I wanted to go see the Serengeti. I wanted to see the different forests and things. So most of my travel to Africa in the beginning was all kind of nature type driven. So like I've been gorilla trekking in Rwanda and that actually allowed me to to piqued an interest in cultural heritage because I've got to learn about the heritage of Rwanda and how, you know, it is an amazing place. It's one of the trips, the best trips I've ever been on. And so, um, so that was awesome. And then since, since that trip, which was like back in 2008, I've mostly been Eastern and Southern um, Africa and I have DNA that goes back to Guinea-Bissau. And so my next mission is to get to Guinea-Bissau and do more cultural heritage uh, West Africa trips, but most of them have been more nature and kind of outdoors and hiking up a mountain. <laughs> Sounds wonderful, you know, uh, actually. And then a couple of safaris there and just getting to know people there. So like when I was in Rwanda and then I went back to Uganda, turns out completely separate trips, um, completely separate guides, but our guides knew each other. So our guide from Rwanda actually came and met us in Uganda, which is really where he's, he lives. And so that was really cool. So just making kind of local connections. Um, and I'm working on a project in Tanzania now that um, hopefully will support local tour operators that are on the ground that are of the um, culture that's local to um, Tanzania. So that's my next project that hopefully takes off sometime this year. <laughs> so important to yeah. support local yeah. um, business, local communities, mm -hmm. and not just be coming in from outside and only benefiting yeah, outside. Yeah, exactly. And those nature-focused trips sound amazing. And I think a lot of people are afraid to go to Africa, you know? Mm -hmm. They really are. Like most of my Black friends are like, why are you going to Rwanda? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why wouldn't I go to Rwanda? Yeah. Why would I go to France or Italy or anything else? Because I'm curious about it, right? So it's the same reason. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, again, all you really hear is you hear mostly negative stories, Correct. you know, as we grow in our, you know, generation of things to do and places to be in Africa. And again, I've just been exposed to different art through my father. My father was a photographer, so art was always an exposure to us. So that was always interesting and different museums. And so when I go to museums, I specifically look for, you know, African diaspora in museums and that kind of made me curious about history and different centuries of history in Africa and the continent. So, and there's so much rich history. Universities were in Africa before they were in England. A lot of people don't know mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Timbuktu, you know, was, mm -hmm. is, was older than Cambridge. So, right. so again, that's just kind of, a, it's just like a personal curiosity. <laughs> yeah. And just the fact that you would just go, because, because I think, um, yeah, just a lot of people are like, well, you know, there's disease, there's wars, there's, there's da, 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 disease and wars you know? here. Like, I know, you I know. know. <laughs> like, for, well, and yeah. so a perfect example is with this Omicron variant. Omicron variant was already in Europe. And then when South Africa discovered it and shared it with the world, uh, they're the, uh, South Africa is the one where Southern Africa countries are being banned, but we haven't banned the countries mm -hmm. in Europe that have had it before Africa. Right. So those are kind of the... That's what's frustrating. Right. There's the, always this bad <laughs> you know, rap. Like, exactly. oh, see, there there it is again. Africa, you're going to go there, you're going to get sick, you're going to get malaria, you're going to, you know, something bad's going to happen. You get malaria here, you get yeah. Zika here. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. And and I think, you know, people have told me stories about countries that, I don't know, that I, I just think, I've got to get there. You mm -hmm. know, Rwanda being Rwanda's one of them amazing. specifically. I have heard a number, and it's always women who are like, I went to Rwanda, mm -hmm. it changed my entire life and perspective, I cannot wait to go back. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I That's the trip that actually I learned how to hike because I was like, 
200 pounds. And my friend's like, well, we have to hike. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I guess I better get on that. <laughs> and so then I started learning how to hike, how to carry a pack. And so that trip, it kind of got me into to hiking and doing kind of crazy things outside. But Rwanda is really cool because it's the like, so I went in 2008 and it's the first country that banned plastic. You can't even take it off of the airplane. Most of the government is made up of women. Unfortunate reasons for that happening, but cool reasons now. And so it was just a really, it was really, it was a really great experience. And it has some of the best paved roads in Africa because we always call, you know, driving in Africa can sometimes be called the African massage uh, <laughs> when you're out like, you know, and, but the roads, it's a, it's one of the cleanest places I've ever seen. People are great. It was awesome. It was life-changing, I would say. For That's sure. what I keep hearing. So yeah. I'm, I'm putting it on my list, even though technically I don't think it's on my DNA. Uh, well, I don't know. But I, I'm just going to go yeah, it's just over <laughs> near something. Yes, near somewhere that I'm related to. OK, yeah. well, we really should wrap up. I could keep talking this to you with fun. you forever. I but I do want to ask you before <laughs> we end, um, how has travel changed you? I would say I was lucky and my parents always exposed us to different things outside of our community. We grew up in South Central L.A. And so I think I feel like travel does the same thing. It opens your eyes and your heart and your ears to people who are different from you, but have the same basic human needs. And it just kind of makes you appreciate how small the world really is. So like I have a really serendipitous travel story that um, happened in Italy that was amazing. And it, again, it just showed how small the world, how small the world really is. So for my 40th birthday, um, some of my best friends and I, we decided to all meet. We lived all over the country and we decided to meet up in Rome. And uh, one of my other friends, her birthday is like two days before mine. And we met there. But I, my plane got delayed because of windstorms at the time I was living in Chicago. And I had to be rerouted through Germany. And in Germany, trying to find the gate to Rome, running around. And an Italian woman happened to be also looking for the gate. And so we started chit-chatting in her broken English and my broken Italian. And, um, you know, we chit-chatted all the way to Rome. And then at the, you know got to the airport and we departed ways. So about 10 days after that, my friends and I take the train up to uh, Florence and who gets on the train as I'm getting off the train, the same door. And we both just like freaked out laughing. So, wow. and like, I almost like missed getting off the train because we couldn't <laughs> believe that. Like that is like the most random yes. thing to happen, but wow. that's just like, you know, that's what like ton of travel is all about. And, you know, that was like, a great that was like one of my favorite experiences because I got to see her again happen? like yeah, that's amazing <laughs> randomly wow so, yeah that was really cool so I love yeah. that yeah love so. it um any final travel tips or advice for women wanting to travel more or mm -hmm. people wanting to do cultural heritage any any final tips um I would say be curious you know dream big and go after the dream of planning the trip it might seem a little overwhelming or scary but um like the first time I traveled solo I was like ooh, okay going all the way around the world. Oh, I have some interesting connections, but get out there and do it. There's nothing to be afraid of. And it's an experience. It's kind of the adventure of the unknown. Just, you know, have your street smarts about you, just like you do here at home, have your street smarts about you when you're traveling. And uh, as far as cultural heritage go, look for those stories that you don't know about when you plan a trip. Look for something that you can uncover and learn about a local culture, whether it's a language, try to le learn some of the language before you go. So you have basic communication skills. Don't assume everyone wants to speak English. We have to kind of take that privilege, you know, travel humbly, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say and um, be open to new things. 
Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell me where we can find you online? Oh, okay. Where can you find me online? <laughs> well, on Instagram, I'm at flygirl with a U. So at flygirl. Um, you can find me at Gearshop Collective, which is my consulting website, um, gearshopcollective.com. And um, Experience Black Culture is another place that you can find uh, some of the work that I do. And if you love to crochet, I love to crochet and I have uh, do some crocheting on the side. You can find me at Spirit and Flow on Instagram. Wonderful. There you go. Love it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, Lizette. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. This episode was produced by my podcast manager, Marcy Page. Show notes and resource links can be found at jetsetlizette.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell your friends about the show. Thanks so much for tuning in and getting some travel inspiration. Remember, life is short, travel more.